The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler. And my surprise this morning is my camera, Stacy Keats. Meet Nick Explains My Camera. Co-host for this show is Chris Reynolds. He's a licensed private investigator since 1979 when he was 23 years old, one of the youngest to ever acquire a PI license in California. He actually started working for a civil and criminal litigation firm at age 17. And he's owned and operated his own agency as Chris Reynolds Investigations for over 30 years. Chris is the 2010-2011 president of the California Association of Licensed Investigators, the largest organization of its kind in the world. In 2007, this organization awarded him its Investigator of the Year Award. He holds memberships in many investigator associations, including the premier National Council of Investigation and Security Services, an association that represents private investigators and security professionals before the U.S. Congress and governmental agencies for over 35 years. Thanks for joining the show this morning, Chris. Thank you, Francie. It's, it's good to be here. Yeah. Today we have a real treat. Stacy Keats is, as the embodiment of my camera, private detective, is one who developed a TV private investigator myth that still carries over today. I'm just delighted to welcome Stacy Keats to the show. Good morning, Stacy. Good morning, Francie. Let me just tell you a little about him. Stacy Keats has so many accomplishments, it's difficult to pick just a few. He's an actor, a producer, a writer, a director, and even a musician. He's appeared on stage, movies, and TV. He's achieved distinction for a supporting role in The Heart is a Lonely Hunter. He created, produced, and directed the legendary Tales of the Texas Ranger for NBC Radio. He's one of America's most recognized Shakespearean actors. A New York Times review described him as the finest American classical actor since John Barrymore. That's quite a distinction. He's played the lead in King Lear twice and the title role in Hamlet three times. He has numerous films to his credit, including Into the Road and Brewster McLeod and John Houston's Fat City, where he received a Best Actor Award. He's received a Golden Globe for Best Actor in the miniseries or TV film for Hemingway as Ernest Hemingway. And just naming a few out of many, many productions, he was an L.A. cop in The New Centurions, was Cheech and Chong's antagonist in the role of Sergeant Stadenko, was chilling but easygoing homicidal sheriff in The Killer Inside Me, was Warden Henry Pope in Prison Break, was the sadistic prison warden in Ring of Death, where he runs an underground fight club and prisoners compete for their lives, 
And, of course, he was the notable, edgy Mike Hammer in the TV series by the same name. Many of you Mike Hammer fans probably do not know that Stacy earned two BA degrees from University of California at Berkeley, right here in my neighborhood, one in English, one in Dramatic Arts, a Master's in Fine Arts at Yale School of Drama, and was a Fulbright Scholar at the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art. And besides being the recipient of the Golden Globe Best Actor Award and being nominated for both Emmy and Tony Awards, he's received three Off-Broadway Theater Awards called Obies, three Vernon Rice Awards, now called the Drama Desk Awards for Theater Excellence, Helen Hayes Awards for his characters Nixon and Frost Nixon, and Lear and King Lear, and the prestigious Millennium Recognition Award for Outstanding Contribution to Classical Theater. Quite a resume, actually. Stacy, take us back to 1954. Didn't you start reading the Mickey Splane books when you were in junior high? I did. I, 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 he was one of my favorites, and much to the chagrin of my parents, I might add, at that time, <laughs> because in many ways, the early Mickey Spillane books were considered to be bordering on soft porn, uh-huh. and uh, so they, they weren't too happy with my uh, reading uh, Mickey Spillane, even though I loved it. I just thought it was great. Um, one thing I... Thank you for that wonderful introduction. My dad, who bears my name, or I bear his name, he was a Stacy Keach Sr., was responsible for Tales of the Texas Rangers. Oh, he was. That's not, well, that's yeah, that, that's not, that wasn't me. Okay. He Thanks created that show. But, you know, that was my introduction to radio. I was 12 years old at the time, and I remember going down to the studios in, uh, in, at Sunset and Vine, NBC Studios, to to listen to them record those shows. And that was sort of my introduction, not only mm-hmm. to radio, but also to theater in general. Yeah. Interesting. And so mm. you, were, you weren't born in California, but you were living in California when you were younger. I, that's right. That's right. I was, I was actually born in Savannah, Georgia, and my dad was teaching down there at Armstrong College. He was teaching drama, and he and my mom, well, he got a... He got a an offer to come to the Pasadena Playhouse out here in California as an actor-director. Hmm. So they threw me in the back of uh, their Nash Rambler <laughs> and uh, they drove across the country, and we landed up. We landed in Pasadena, and where I sort of spent my my toddler years while he was uh, he was working at the Pasadena Playhouse in the uh, and this was in the forties actually, yeah, hmm. and. Yeah, that was uh, that was my that was that that I got to California and have more or less grown up in California. I went to Van Nuys Junior High School and Van Nuys High School and then Berkeley later. Mm-hmm. So I consider myself a California boy. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Well, tell us um, how you became involved in the My Camera series. Well, I had, I had this was about in the early '80s. Uh, a producer named Jay Bernstein. Had the rights to the to Mickey's to to the television rights to Mickey Spillane um, to, to the Mike Hammer series. This was after Darren McGavin had done it in the fifties. Mm-hmm. It was a sort of it was a half hour version, black and white, wonderful. I loved that. I watched that fastidiously. And I mean, I, he he. I, one thing I thought Darren McGavin really he, he gave to, to, to Mike Hammer was a sense of humor. 
because in the books, Mickey was pretty pretty serious about Hammer. Hammer, uh, he was more or less like the, the Ralph Meeker version of, of Mike Hammer. I don't know if you remember, recall a film called Kiss Me Deadly. Right. Well, Ralph Meeker played Mike Hammer, and he was the nastiest, meanest. He had no humor whatsoever, but he was... But the, the toughness was great. I mean, so the trick with Mike Hammer, I always find, is, is to sort of combine those elements to sort of balance the humor and the toughness. And, and that's what we strove to do in, in our incarnation of it in the 80s. And Jay Bernstein. And later, in, in 12 years later, we did it again. Yeah. yeah. And, and Jay Bernstein at the time was with Columbia, which is now Warner Brothers. That's right. Okay. And then. Um, he called you into his office, and what happened then? Oh yeah, he called me, you know, and he he was absolutely convinced that I was wrong for the part. I think a number of agents had said you got to see this guy, you know, and and he said reluctantly he thought he thought I was sort of a long-haired lefty liberal <laughs> because I had just come, I had just done Indians on Broadway and and was uh, at, at the time was living with Judy Collins, and he thought, oh no, this is not my camera. My camera's much further right than this kid. And, <laughs> and, and, Probably <laughs> true, but <laughs> yeah. Well, that that at the time, absolutely. But I, he he saw me, and, uh, and we talked, and he um, he asked me how how I saw the character, and I I explained. Uh, I think I said something in uh, that resembled the end of I the Jury. Uh, uh, where Hammer w- confronts the, the the bad woman and has shot her in the stomach, actually, mm-hmm. and and she, she says, "How could you do such a thing?" And his last line was, "It was easy." <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and I sort of, I think, I read that in such a way that I must have made a good impression on Jay because he said, "Okay." We'll, we'll we'll see how it goes. At the time, it was not a series. It was it was it was a two hour movie for CBS, and it was so successful that it became a series. After that, it was sort of what we call in the business a backdoor series. That uh, the movie was uh, had the ratings were good enough to justify ordering a, a bunch more shows. So it's that's how that that's how it happened. But I still, even in those at that time, I I had this image of my camera as being someone a little bit. Uh, I, I saw him wearing a sport coat and slacks, and and he said, "No, no, 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 we're going to rumpled suits." Mm-hmm. And I remember the first day that we were after the first day shooting, Jake came down to the set and he he said, "I want I want to see that suit." He took my he took the suit. And he and he went and he just rolled it up into a ball. <laughs> he said, "You look too good. You look much too good. We don't want you looking. Uh, you know, we, my camera comes from the streets, and he's rumpled, and he doesn't care about his looks, and he's not vain at all, and uh, he never looks in the mirror. He, that's not that's not his mo. So that's how we got started, and uh, happily, it was uh, successful." Now you, uh, I read that you didn't like the light-colored trench coat that they gave you for the first Hammer movie. I think that, as I recall, 
yeah, you're absolutely right. The, the the first trench coat they gave me was was sort of in it was cream colored or white, and I I thought I, I thought that Mickey wouldn't have liked it, and he didn't like it either. <laughs> I mean, the one thing that Mickey did say, I called Mickey and I said, Mickey, what, how do you, what should I do? And he said, Wear the hat, kid. Wear the hat. And you're talking about Mickey Splain, the author of the Mickey, series. That's right. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he didn't like the trench coat either, and. In the books, my camera was a sort of a product of the Korean War. The Korean War was the backdrop for the early my camera novels. But given the fact that we were shooting in the 80s, we, we, we decided we would upgrade that and make it the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. So we decided that that military background, we could sort of carry that over by, by suggesting that, uh, that the trench coat the trench coat would help if we went into an olive green for sort of the military mm-hmm. look, you know, and that's how that's how that happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I don't remember. Did did the my camera in the in the uh, books? Did he wear a hat? Yes, he did. But but he yes he did. Um, he wore a snap brim hat. We made it into a. I looked terrible in that kind of a hat with a short brim. And uh, so we went into the fedora uh, aspect of it, and it, it worked pretty well. It looked pretty good. Oh, it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. Yeah. But the uh, snap brim with the hat. In fact, Mickey continued to wear that. I don't know if you re- remember back in the day when Mickey would, he was doing all these Miller High Life commercials. That was his trademark hat, yeah. You remember that? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and that hat, that was a hat that he had sort of, I think he wanted that hat for my camera as well, but it just didn't look good on me. But that was his. That was the hat. That was the hat. That was his hat. His own personal hat. Interesting. That's interesting. Well, what, hats are real important in terms of you know, I think in, for characters, particularly on the screen and on the stage, but particularly on screen. Well, and particularly with with this character. No question. He needed a hat. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And the trench coat. The hat and the trench coat are sort of signature items. Yeah. And, and the forty five, of course. And it still is an example today. I'm afraid it is. We, I, everybody asks about a trench coat, so I, I have an obligatory trench coat. <laughs> and of course, wearing one in Sonoma County doesn't always work, but you, you have to have one. I mean, it's a necessary yeah. thing. You you did cause many of us to go out and buy hats and buy all these ridiculous things that we've had to, had to well, acquire. I have, a question. I have a question for both of you. How important is image in the private eye business in terms of your your relationships with people that you do you deal with it's huge yeah. and actually frankly stacy we do we fight the p i myth uh really? that's portrayed in the movies and in t v how so um, because people have generally have the impression that we do all kinds of illegal things, yeah you know break in houses and right. set up surveillance cameras in somebody's home and um, listen, listen to their conversations, and do all those things that are, are violations of privacy that aren't accepted today. Right. It would, it would basically everything you did on your TV show. We do the opposite generally, <laughs> and but when we meet, a, but when we meet a client, they always would expect us to solve their problems in 45 minutes with commercials, and right. and we'll you know, my camera could do it. Why can't you? Yeah. 
And uh-huh. <laughs> it was, they really so, have this absolutely bizarre impression of what they think API can do. And there's so many shows that were out there, especially at that time, um, like, that's you know, right. like yours. They thought, well, this must be how it really is. They must, you know, kind of move around and get wherever they want to get. And when things don't work, they always have that gun, you know. So, well, and I'm always asked. I mean, that's one of the, the, the main questions people always ask you if you carry a gun. And I've right. taken the line that my uh, private investigator friend Cynthia Hamilton uh, says is only if it matches my shoes. Yeah, that's a great line. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I've, I've never had a gun. I've always been fearful someone would take it away from me right. and then use right. it on me. And so why give them that opportunity? Um, Absolutely. Well, I suspect that a lot of fictional PIs have created big problems for you guys in terms of, you know, well, that's, you know, like Magnum PI and Philip Marlowe. I mean, and, and I guess... You know, that's not the way things are done in the real world. Yeah, hold that thought, Stacey. Um, that's the distinctive voice of Stacey Keats talking about my camera detective series. Stay tuned. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you're listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. Do you need directions to solve financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time.
the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. My co-host, Chris Reynolds, and I've been talking to the real Mike Hammer, a.k.a. Stacy Keach, about his experiences. And we were just discussing the differences and the uh, similarities between the contemporary private investigator and Mike Hammer. And, Stacy, I kind of cut you off in the middle of a sentence. Oh, that's all right. No, I, I, I had a question, though. When, when, the nature of the types of cases that, that you guys get involved with, I imagine... They, they must be a tremendous range, but I think there's a there's a there's a conception in that that most private eyes are dealing with domestic problems, you know, you know wives or spouses that are having affairs and et cetera, you know, as opposed to uh, doing the crime work that police are generally expected to do in terms of. Um, Situations, and I'd be curious to, to to hear both from from Chris and Francie, you know, in terms of the nature of the of the crimes and the range that and you deal Chris, with. Why don't you go ahead and take take that question? Well, it's um, you're right about the the perception of, of doing domestic cases, which I've done a few, and I absolutely hate them. And uh-huh. the best thing that ever happened was the law that that did away with these, you know, contentious. Uh, you know, divorces. Well, you still have them, but you can basically just get divorced now. You don't need to have that right. that man hiding under the bed. Right, um, right. So that was a good thing. Um, That's a good thing. Yeah, the stuff that that I do, and I focus on mainly murders, high profile cases. You know, we're getting cases from law enforcement where, you know, they they're accusing our client of doing some pretty horrendous things. And yeah. in my career, you know, most of the time, they're guilty. Um, and you have to work around that and do the you know, really just help the attorney figure out you know what are we going to do here um, what what kind of a murder is it that's one of the big things that we do but in in my career I've I've been pretty lucky I've had probably you know eight cases where we actually had an innocent person who was just accused by the police and charged with a crime and right. we had to get out there and actually do the legwork and uh-huh. prove to the government that the person didn't do it and it's very you know, we have no special uh, pass to get any information. You know, we're just because we have our license, we can't really go anywhere special or get access to those uh, police files that you were always getting. Uh, right. You walk in and say, let me look at that. Mm-hmm. Um, we just have to do the old-fashioned beat the pavement and try to put a case together. And um, a lot of times you you have to wait till till you get to court and uh, right. disclose it. Sometimes you just... You take what you got and you, and you go to the government and you say, here's what we've got. Maybe you got the wrong guy. Um, sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. But it's really, um, 
the myths are that is that we can somehow you know get access to all this special stuff and um, right. it's it's the it's the shoes on the pavement type of stuff and um, for me it's you know it's it's wonderful work when you can get somebody who's facing life in prison and right. be able to to set them free and give their life back. So and I do the yeah. same kind of work Chris does. I we you know we've both been criminal defense investigators for well I've been for 25 years Chris 30 something. Um, and essentially, we redo everything law enforcement does. We re-interview all the witnesses. We develop other witnesses. We work with experts. We work with the attorneys. We help the attorneys prepare for, for trial. And actually, sometimes we have an innocent client that has been wrongfully charged. And we and that um, those are the hardest cases to work on. They are. And it's fun. do you find that you work more with the attorneys than you do with the police department? Yes. Yeah, the idea of going really when I uh, I can't remember in all my years um, ever being able to do what a Mike Hammer would and really call up a police yeah. officer and have them help you. <laughs> that notion is as uh, far from the truth as you could ever want because <laughs> egos egos get very involved in this this stuff, and so you've got the detective sure. who has put his reputation out there. You know, this is a good case. I think this person did it, and now I'm going to do everything I can to make sure you don't mess my case up. Exactly. It shouldn't be like that, but um, no. it, it is. But it is. Very adversarial, and so we, um, I don't have any police contacts. I can't pick up the phone and say, oh, read that, read that secret report to me. Mm-hmm. Um, right, it right. Just, it never happens, at least not in my world. So, But, but simply well, our, our job is just to gather the facts, just like, Law enforcement does. You know, we're not. Right, right. We're supposed to be objective. We're supposed to report just what we're told. Not any more. Not any less. Uh, we might give an attorney our opinion of somebody's credibility, um, because if you know, if if we think they're lying, of course the jury's going to think they're lying. Um, right. But criminal defense is not the only. I mean, there's probably, oh, I'd say, forty or fifty specialties. There's yeah. uh, workplace violence. There's workplace. Uh, investigations, the in, embezzlement, um, terrorist threats, things like that. There's right. workers' comp fraud, surveillance usually is connected with that. There's people that do nothing but toxic waste kinds of investigations, go back through mm-hmm. historical records and try to find out who's responsible for whatever dump site there is. And right. it, it goes on and on. There's an amazing amount of personal injury, um, um, product liability, anything uh-huh. that requires an attorney often requires an investigator. Yeah. Right. It doesn't right. make for good TV always, but it... <laughs> no, well, what we do doesn't yes, make good no. TV. I suspect that because the convenient liaison between Pat Chambers, who was the NYPD sergeant, and Mike Hammer, because they, they shared, and they were in the trenches together in Vietnam, Mm-hmm. And I, in the books, are, they were, it was the Korean War. Um, the adversarial aspect came up with, the, we created a, uh, the district attorney, uh, Lawrence Barrington, and that was where the great adversarial relationship came between uh, Hammer and, uh, even though Pat Chambers from time to time saying, Pat, you know, he kept, kept saying, Mike, you can't do this, this is police business. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were friends, so it was convenient not only to get information, but also um, to to uh, get on the right side of the law. Um, even though Mike Hammer 
very often was not on the right side of the law. In fact, more often than not, was on the wrong side in terms of his his tactics, his strategies, his techniques. I mean, he was a self-appointed vigilante, and he really felt that uh, uh, that justice, the only way justice could be served, was with his own special brand of justice, which was um, save the taxpayers' money. And if somebody is guilty and obviously guilty, you know, better to do him in and uh, waste the taxpayers' money, which is, of course, again, part of the myth. Uh, I mean, that <laughs> would not happen in, in the real world. Well, there may be Even though some, some of us wish it did. <laughs> yeah, there's still some of that thinking out there. Oh, yeah, you know. a little bit. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, just look at Dexter on Showtime and you'll yeah. get <laughs> a pretty go. good idea of the, the truth. The true new vigilante, it's like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the you were asking earlier about um, you know the, the Magnum PIs and those kinds of things, and mm. the, the images actually do help us because people think that you're. They think that when you show up at their door, having never met a PI, that that there's something to that. And right. the door does open up. You, people say, "Oh, is it, is it like? Uh, are you like Magnum?" <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Sure. Let's talk. And then well, they, I guess and the good news, the good news from from our television shows, our television characters, is that justice always does get served, or ninety nine percent of the time it does. Yeah. Yes. And people. Yeah. And okay. So I guess that does help help you guys. Yeah. All right. Co-host Chris Reynolds and I are discussing the role of a private investigator with Stacy Keats. We have a wonderful surprise for you in the next segment. Stay tuned. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PIs Declassified. IRB Search is simply the best online data provider for locating people, businesses, and assets. IRB Search gives you strength in numbers. With one click, you can access billions of records. Even with partial information on your subject, IRB Search instantly returns current and past addresses, phone numbers, and more. Call IRB Search today at 1-800-447-2112 to sign up. Mention PIs Declassified and you'll receive a two-week trial of 100 free searches to get started. Call 1-800-447-2112 to find out why IRB Search is simply the best. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. 
host, Simran Singh, will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio, because shift happens. News, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Well, I didn't mean to really tease you. We're going to save the surprise to after the next break. Um, so I'm not going to tell you about it yet, but uh, stay tuned because we're going to, you're going to be really excited about this. Um, so, Stacy, tell us just a little bit uh, more about the personality of my camera and how, how you develop okay. your personality. Well, yeah, I've always felt that my camera is sort of a cross between, uh, at least in the television version, uh, between Dirty Harry and James Bond. Mm-hmm. Uh, that he could do James Bondian kinds of things, but that he, he is a real tough detective, and and, and he bleeds. He, he, he can't. He, he, he gets in a fight and oftentimes loses. He doesn't always, you know, jump from one building to another, even though we had, had him doing that as well. So I've always felt that, that, that Hammer is sort of, uh, but but he's primarily a street guy, and mm-hmm. even though he expresses himself in sort of poetic street poetic terms, um, I've always sort of referred to a, a line that when, when he's feeling good, he says, "My Dow Jones was definitely up." <laughs> uh, he, he, he has a way of expressing himself, which is, uh, and he has he's he's very sarcastic. He's very caustic. But he never, ever took a crime for money. He always took a crime because he got emotionally involved with the victim. Mm. He was, he, he, and it was always important. The writers were always being told, you know, you've got to find a way. I mean, little old ladies, um, men, um, couples who have been victimized by, you know, somebody... Uh, he uh, children. Uh, he always you know, damsels in distress. Of course, that was a common. You know, mm-hmm. you know that was always a, a Mike Hammer um, magnet to, to get involved. But again, he was never for materialistic terms. And he had with Velda, his secretary. He was always having arguments about that because. They had to pay the rent, and he, he was not interested in the rent. Another thing that we were very concerned about was the humor. The humor, Mike Hammer's humor, was a very important part of the television version, at least, because we felt that, that 
if it became so serious, it was not going to necessarily uh, project well to the to the audience out there. Uh, and so we were constantly trying to find ways of of um, emphasizing that without without compromising the seriousness of a crime. Mm-hmm. And we we came up with a formula actually for yeah. action sequences. We would always we. The, the, the initial action sequence of whether it be a fight or a chase would always have comic overtones. Um, All right. And the second action sequence would sort of be a cross between, would be a little, be lighter on one end, but it would, be, it would also have a serious side to it. And of course, the final confrontation, the final action sequence would always be very serious. Interesting. So, those were those were formulas that we we, we sort of stuck to, uh, um, and I always was I was always looking for any opportunity to get a laugh, but but not in the not in the middle of of some of a serious situation. But I was it was more in the dialogue. It was uh, um, Jay Bernstein also had a wonderful he had a wonderful um, feel for the character, and he. He wanted to create uh, this fictitious woman. We called her the Face. Mm-hmm. This was a woman right, that in every episode, yeah, you know, the mysterious lady, and you never knew where or who she was. But it always distracted my camera at, at, at a very at a critical moment. And uh, there was one episode that dealt with her, but she was more of an apparition and dreamlike character, and we never did find out who she was. But she um, was your was, ideal, or Mike's ideal, of the perfect yes, woman. Right, exactly. And <clears throat> another Jay Bernstein contribution was the line, I'll make a note. Uh-huh. Uh, that was always a, that was a common mantra for Hammer, whenever he would hear something that he didn't quite have a response for. And uh, I enjoyed that. He was always trying to quit smoking, too. I mean, Velda was always after him to quit smoking, but... <laughs> But but in the in the film noir genre, smoke drifting through the frame and it, it was sort of, it's sort of a signature. It's another signature kind of item, and, and so smoking became uh, you know, even though the, at, at that time in the early eighties it was becoming politically incorrect for you know, so the smoking became less and less as time went on. Um, yeah. But it it def, definitely lends itself to that film noir genre. The other thing was we, we we discussed whether or not in the 80s we should bring everything sort of either up to date or keep my camera in a retro kind of look, driving an old Mustang and the, and the hat and the fedora, and, uh, and everything else around him sort of in the 80s. And that's what we decided to do as opposed to shooting it in period, which would have been very costly. I mean, today... I think there's a show on television called Mad Men, mm-hmm. which yeah. is, I think they, that's done in period, and it's it's, it's very, I, I've seen that. I think it's a wonderful show, but it, it, very expensive. Whenever you start getting into old cars and costumes week after week after week, it's, it becomes very costly. Yeah. Was, um, was that a place you wanted to take the take the character that they just they weren't going to let you go, where you thought it it, it should go here, and you, and you couldn't. Couldn't convince him to do it. Well, 
yes and no, but more that was more of an environmental thing. I mean, one of the things we did a couple of times was put Mike Hammer, make him a fish out of water, and take him to uh, California. We took him to California a couple of times because we were shooting out here. Actually, we would go back to New York to do all of our second unit stuff, and you know we would do a lot of, and we actually shot some shows in New York. Mm-hmm. But there was, I always wanted to go to Europe. Um, you know, and to see what, because I think the fish out of water syndrome is is always interesting, particularly with a character like Mike Hammer, mm-hmm. he's so specific. I mean, he's so uh, he he embodies a, a, a period of history that is, is is gone. I mean, and I'd always thought it'd be kind of interesting to see him in a different environment. And uh, as a matter of fact, we are doing. Uh, these audio books, right? Now. We've yes. got a couple of them um, where Max Allen Collins, who was a wonderful writer in his own right, he wrote to Perdition and became Mickey's sort of posthumous writer. And we, we've completed a, a two novels, one called The Goliath Bone and another one called The Big Bang, and uh, which I've read on tape. And in addition to that, we've done a couple of radio novels where we actually cast all of the characters and we do it like a radio show. It's like a two-hour book on tape, but done in a radio show format. Mm-hmm. Wow. And they're wonderful. And that's coming out in March called Encore for Murder. I have them sitting Black right on my audio. desk. From Blackstone Audio. That's a Blackstone great name. Blackstone Audio. And you can, if... Our listeners are interested in this. Uh, they can go to blackstoneaudio.com or they can buy them from amazon.com. Uh, right. The Big Bang, Goliath Bone, The Goliath Bone, Mike Hammer. Um, and the radio novels are, well, there's a couple of them. One, uh, one called The Little Death, and the one that's going to be coming out early next year is called Horror for Murder. And you're narrating all of them. Well, I play Mike Hammer, yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah, and I narrate the um, the books on tape. Yeah, I'm just it's looking. It's a little confusing at... because one is a book on tape and the other is a radio novel, but they're both written by Max Allen Collins and they're Mickey. They're both my camera stories. Hmm. Well, I'm looking at the covers of these, and it says everyone, everybody loves a mystery, and nobody solves them like my camera, which I think uh-huh. uh, Casey sure. became my camera. Or my camera became you. I'm not sure which, but um, you've just, it's it's just a wonderful portrayal of a character, and we all love him with all his faults. That's the best part. He has faults. But he's very human. That's for sure. Very human. Yeah. Well, I, I just want to. Um, we haven't said anything about Mickey Spillane, and I know you guys, you and he became friends. Yeah. And. Um, he was a wonderful guy. What a character. Wonderful character. And I, I read, I have, uh, you wrote some things about him on your website, and you said, because of Mickey and my camera, I had one of the most enviable jobs in Hollywood, always being surrounded by beautiful women, and I met my beautiful wife. That's right, show. I did. Yes. Yeah. And you guys have been together for more than 20 25 years. 25 right? years this year. We celebrate our 20th anniversary this year. She also plays Maya, the yoga teacher, in the later incarnation of Mike Hammer. <laughs> Mike Hammer's mm. next-door neighbor. My wife is Polish, and she has an accent, and she's quite beautiful. And uh, 
it was a lot of fun because she's a yoga and she's also a yoga teacher herself. But uh, yoga and my camera are such they're, they're so they're such opposites. It was perfect, and it made for a good comedy. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we're up to uh, the next break. That was Stacy Keach with my co-host Chris Reynolds. Don't go away. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the Stars of PR with Cindy Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat show with Dr. Pat Basile, radio to thrive by. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. 
We have just been talking with Stacy Keats, my co-host and I, um, Chris Reynolds, my co-host and I, uh, with Stacy Keats, and talking about his uh, new radio pr- um, project with Blackstone Audio, blackstoneaudio.com. Um, but I want to shift gears a little bit, Stacy, and ask you and talk to you about the theme song for My Camera. As you know, um, the theme song for PIs Declassified we use the My Camera theme song, which is originally Harlem Nocturne. That is. That's correct. And first, so I just want to talk to you a little bit about how that came about. Uh, one of our producers, Lou Gallo, uh, was always enamored with this theme song, and he thought it would be the perfect, and he was absolutely right, the perfect theme song for My Camera. And I'll never forget the first time. I, 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 I've played keyboard all my life, and I, I'm... Uh, I love music, and I love the scoring uh, aspect of, of of our business because I think when the music finally comes into something, it, it, it brings it to life. And music has always been, I think, uh, uh, one of the most important parts of, of that whole process. And mm-hmm. I had the great privilege of meeting Earl Hagen during the course of the original My Camera series, for CBS, because he would come to the scoring sessions with these wonderful musicians, and and uh, I just I sat there with my mouth wide open, just in awe of, of the whole process. And I became friends with Earl, and um, he was a wonderful man. He passed away some years ago, mm-hmm. um, but he he was a great composer. He not only write, did he write Harlem Nocturne, he also wrote the theme song for many many television shows, among them Andy Griffith, that wonderful little mm-hmm. jingle, and that, that's his, and I Spy. Mm, really? Endless numbers of other shows. He was, he was a great composer and a great guy. And I had the great privilege of, he was being honored by the Academy uh, about four years ago, and they asked me to come over and surprise him, and I, I, I sat down at the keyboard with him. And, and played it, and played Harlem Nocturne for him. That's wonderful. Uh, yeah, it was a great moment. I'm so glad I had a chance to do that. And you're going to be yeah. playing that for us today. Actually. Well, I'm going to play a version of it. A yeah. version of it. <laughs> want to hear it? Well, and yeah, absolutely. And, and you actually were uh, playing in the uh, second TV series with the theme music. That's right. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, and also on the the Blackstone Audio um, radio novels. Um, that's my music, yeah. But and that's it, it's your all music. Harlem Nocturne, sort of deconstructed and put back together various permutations of it. Uh, and let me get over here to my keyboard. I've always felt that saxophone is more appropriate than piano. Uh huh. It's, it's just the perfect representation of your character in the Manhattan streets and the gritty business of private investigation. It is perfect PI music. Mm-hmm. 
Wonderful. Thank you for agreeing to play it live for us today. My pleasure. Stacy, you're amazing. You have, you've done you've accomplished so much and you've led such a, a wonderful full life. And uh I have indeed. I'm very blessed. I feel yes, I am indeed. Thank you very much. And uh, I'm I'm just I'm so excited that you are, are doing these audios. I think people are going to love them. Uh, seems as Audio is is uh, interesting enough the future these days. Well, and, you know, uh, we spend so much time in our cars. Mm-hmm. One thing I, I I just I always you know and the iPod and God knows I mean everybody seems to be listening to something all the time. Exactly. You know you know so I I'm optimistic that the that uh, the new um, encore for murder will be a hit. And, and where do you see yourself going from here, Stacy? Well, I'm I'm on my way to New York next week. As a matter of fact, to do a, I'm going to do a play in the Lincoln Center, a new play by John Robin Bates uh, called "Other Desert Cities" with a wonderful cast: Dr. Channing, Elizabeth Marvel, Linda Levin, and the young actor named Tom Sadowski. And we start uh, we start performing that uh, December 16th, and we open January 13th and play to the end of February. Mm, interesting. And then I'm doing this new series for FX called Lights Out about a boxing family. I play the dad dash trainer of a, two boxing sons, and that'll be coming on in January as well. Oh, that's exciting! So I'm, that's I'm mercifully exciting. busy. And American Greed on CNBC, I narrate. Uh, that there's, I mean, those are good. Those are good blueprints for stories as well because they're, they really happen. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, it's about fraud and scams, people right. who take advantage. I, you know, I didn't, I actually didn't realize you were the narrator of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It seemed like four, four full-time jobs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, when well, you I've have got time, two kids what? in college, so I've got to keep punching the clock here. <laughs> and, and what do you do for fun? Golf, music. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's music to my ears. I've yeah. always wanted to develop a series. Uh, uh, absolutely. I want to develop oh, a yeah. series of a PI golfer, but it just doesn't seem to have the, the panache of, of the, my camera. So. Uh, well, I'm never going to give up my day job to become a golfer, that's for sure. But, yep. uh, I love it. it, it it's how I it's my, uh, relax. So it's having a TV show with a PI golfer would be like watching Water Boil. For you, yeah. possibly. You know, <laughs> Stacy, would be fascinated. Yeah, or drive. Club. <laughs> exactly. There's a lot of crime and intrigue at a country club, and Stacy and I know this, and so it would make for great shows. <laughs> there you go. Well, we've reached. <laughs> we ought to change the show. image and just make sure. You know, we... 
Absolutely. Okay, I should be golfers. That's it. Wearing right. Argyle. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we've reached the end of our show. Thank you, Mr. Mike Hammer, for joining Thank the you, program Francine. today. Thank you, Chris. It was a, I really enjoyed this. No, thank and, you. Very, very fun. And thank you, Chris. It's okay. been a pleasure and an honor to have both of you. Uh, if you want to know more about Stacy Keats or the My Camera series, go to Stacy's official website at www.stacykeats.com. If you're interested in Stacy's new audio series, as I said, go to blackstoneaudio.com and search for Mickey's Plane or order from Amazon.com. If you want to contact Chris Reynolds, his contact information is on my website, PICclassified.com. Under today's show, meet Mickey Splain's My Camera in the show archives. And if you want to know more about finding a quality PI, go to my video, Find a Quality PI in PIC Classified. Next week, Dave Townsend, a noted computer forensic expert and private investigator, will be discussing digital evidence. If you have a question about a show or a topic you believe might be interesting to our listeners, send a note to me at francie at PICclassified.com. Join me next week when we declassify more real stories from real investigators every Thursday morning, 12 noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. See you next week. It's PIC Classified. I'm Francie Kaler. You've been listening to P.I.'s Declassified with your host, Francie Kaler. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. for you West Coast listeners. P.I.'s Declassified explores stories of deceit, mystery, and detectives unraveling the truth. Every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, here on the Voice America Variety Channel.